Hi, you're listening to Bite Size Project Management, a podcast about all things project, program, and IT service management. As always, I'm George, and I work for Training Bite Size, a family-run training provider with a passion for project management. Our podcasts will bring you top tips, such as how to pass your next accredited exam, through to unique industry insights and conversations with industry experts. Enjoy. Please let me introduce to our introduce you to our lead APM trainer, Callum Downing. He's going to be taking you through the key areas of budget, cost, and earned value management this afternoon. Callum has a wealth of pragmatic experience in project management and has a fantastic way of bringing the guidance and methods to life, which helps with the retention of the information. Callum, over Thank to you. Thank you much, Jim. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Um, great. Yeah, so I'm Callum. Um, I teach the project management stuff, like APM and uh, so PFQ and PMQ. Um, my background is in defence, so I worked with MOD for many years, and I'll be the one. If you come on a course with us, it's quite likely it'll be with me. Um, <clears throat> So today I want to talk through earned value management, budgeting and cost controls. We'll leave earned value management towards the end, I think. So I want to just start off with budgeting. Um, this is all going to be fairly high level, I suppose. Um, for PFQ, it will be high level if you're going to do this stuff. In fact, actually on PFQ, they're not going to ask about anything about budget at all. Um, PMQ, they will do, but you'll need a bit more than this for that. This is very much introductory. And I think I think everyone's real question is probably going to linger with earned value management, to be honest with you. So we'll see how we go with that one. So I'll get through this and I'll see, make sure we have time to have some questions for earned value management at the end. Um, so budgeting, in a nutshell, um, it's creating a budget. So a cost for the project. You want to work out how much is this project going to cost us overall? And the start of the project is probably going to be based on previous projects, uh, expert advice, and maybe getting quotes from people, possibly. Uh, it, a number of different places for the budget, the original kind of overall budget will kind of come from. Um, but the reality is we can't just expect that to stay the same. We can't just leave it and go, right, there's the budget. That's going to be 100 grand. There we go, done. It's liable as we get more information that we'll need to adjust that to accommodate the information we gather, which is what we'll be doing in the planning phases of our project is to look at our budget and try and work it out using better estimates. Now, the budget overall will often be based on uh, resources. So we'll have we we'll develop a timeline. We'll develop a cost breakdown structure where we work out how much each task costs individually, if we want to go that level of detail, as well as when we'll need resources on a timeline, which will indicate to us when those costs will need to be um, spent or when those payments will need to be made. Or and we do what's called cumulative totals. Cumulative being you add the previous day on to the last day and so on and so forth. So, so to, yesterday was five pounds worth of work. Today was ten pounds worth of work. That's a cumulative total of fifteen pounds overall, and that gives us this S curve that's at the bottom of this slide here. In that we have like a, the red line represents the budget. So how much we plan to spend, which is going to line up with our schedule and with our breakdown structures, and then. As we develop the project, as we go into the actual delivery of the project, we'll be wanting to track the actual payments against those plan payments. So how are the actuals performing against the plan? Um, and that gives us that plan and gives us a point of comparison. We can then see how the actuals performing against the plan. And in this instance, if you look at the green line there, which represents the actuals, the gray dotted vertical line there shows where we currently are. Um, it means we are indicates currently that we're overspending. So we can also use these graphs and a lot of budgeting is about making predictions. So looking at where we currently are versus where we plan to be and then saying, right, where are we going to go if we continue like this? So we're looking at trend analysis and things like that. So 
the idea of looking at where we've been, so gathering historical data and then projecting it forward, which is why, if you did attend the previous one, re-estimating throughout the project is so important because we'll be gathering more and more information as we develop the project through monitoring our budgets. So there are kind of three components to a budget. Um, one of them may not apply to every project. It may not even apply to every business, um, but certainly the, the first main component of a budget is something called the base cost estimate. Now, the way I think of this is this is our known scope. This is everything we have quantified and understood when we've done our scoping stuff using our breakdown structures, these hierarchical diagrams that break our project into its component pieces. So this will be looking at things like how much people cost, how much it costs to house them or to put them in an office or whatever, um, consumable materials, so how much the materials cost, expenses, capital items, so key equipment we need. Um, and then the other two, so that bit there is kind of your, how much we need for the project, as it were. And then contingency, um, which I might mention again, if you're coming on to the one later on this afternoon on risk management, um, contingency is money set aside for risk. So what I'd refer to as the known unknowns. So if we're, you know, if we're doing a project outside in Britain this time of year, then I'd say it's a fairly easy, predictable risk that it's going to rain. You know, so we'd have to say, well, that's a risk we can predict. Let's plan for it. So contingency is the money we set aside to, as we go through the project, give us the advantage with risk. to so allow us to manage risk proactively because any response we have to risk is certainly in a project probably going to cost us money to do. We're going to have to buy a gazebo to work under if if we know it's if we know for example we're doing the project this time of year in Britain because it's going to rain it's probably going to rain may not because risk is not guaranteed but having contingency means we're not going to start dipping into money we've set aside to pay for people for materials for equipment um, it's purely ring fenced for risk that contingency budget the known unknowns predictable risk now most projects. If you've ever watched things like Homes Under the Hammer, you'll have heard them talking about that. If you've ever watched any of those DIY shows, you'll often hear them all those re, you know, relocation shows. You'll often talk, hear them talking about, oh, I set aside £5,000 just in case there's more mould than I thought or there's more damp. That's what contingency is for. They're doing it to make sure they have money set aside just in case. Now, management reserve, though, is for things called what I refer to as unknown unknowns. These are really unlikely to happen. So they're risks that are incredibly unlikely that would be massively impactful if they did happen. Um, it's like your emergency fund, as it were. Now, you typically will manager won't really be able to access that management reserve. It's more for kind of people senior to the project manager to use to maybe to deal with urgent changes that are needed or to deal with major change, uh, business change or something like that that wasn't expected or a severe situation like an issue something a major problem that's happened that's um, or going to happen that needs some money and again we don't want to dip into our base cost estimate our known scope costs to pay for things that have gone wrong because then we're going to have to cut stuff out which we don't want to do management reserve though is not always applied to a project sometimes projects don't have it sometimes it's held centrally in a business but either way um it's a pot of money on top of the contingency that's purely there just in case it's for the very unexpected, the emergency cash, as it were. So when we're doing our cost control, so this is as we're managing the budget throughout the uh, project as it develops, we've got a few kind of key 
things to make sure we know and monitoring. So the actual costs are the payments we've actually made. So we've been invoiced and we've paid it. The money's left my bank account or our bank account and gone into the whoever we're paying. This is historical costs, effectively. We've paid these. Accrued costs are where, for example, work's been done. You can see the work's been done or there's evidence of the work being done, but there's no formal invoice been received. Or it might be the invoices in a backlog or something. So it might be you look out in your garden, you can see half a patio has been built by the person you've hired to build the patio, but they haven't invoiced for it yet. It's accrued. You know you owe the money that you um, for that work done, but you haven't had that formal invoice yet to say you need to. But you know you owe it, so you have to keep it to one side. It's not you can't just spend it because you you can see the work's been done, which means you're gonna have to spend some money on it. But it's a future payment for historic work. Committed costs are legally agreed. So when I was younger, for example, I used to live in a flat, which I had a 12-month rental agreement on. So I legally agreed that I will pay £500 a month, let's say, for 12 months. I'm committed to paying that. Um, I used to travel a lot. I still travel a lot for work. Back then, I used to travel a lot. When I was in MOD, I used to go to Cyprus for work and things like that. Um, so I was away for a few weeks at a time. My rent... I had to keep paying it. Even though I wasn't using the flat, I had to still pay it. If I'd left the flat, then I'd be having to pay leaving an early leaving fee because I've committed to spending a year worth of rent in that flat. So like, mobile phone contracts are the same. If you've ever had a mobile phone contract, you've committed to it for 24 months, let's say. you can't, If you throw your phone away or you smash your phone or whatever... Mm-hmm. You can't get out of that contract. You're committed to paying that £24 a month or £25 a month, whatever it is you've agreed with your phone provider every month until the contract is over. So uh, we can also have that in our projects. We've legally agreed to pay it, even though it hasn't been paid yet. We contractually have to pay it. So it's a future payment that we know we're going to have to pay. Very useful for predicting, though, because we know we're going to be paying it. So it's good for forecasting that one. And then estimate to complete, this is our planned costs. These are uh, what we think we're going to spend. So this might be something, this will be based on our resources, this will be based on our schedule, um, milestones, those key events in our project will be basing our estimate to complete on, which will show us our, our cost profile, our payment profile, predictions effectively, these. And that as we go through the project, we want to re-estimate as we go. So based on the three above, so actual cost, accrued costs, and the committed costs, we look at that, compare or compare those to our estimate to complete, so our planned costs, and that will help us do what's called forecasting. So as we go through the project, we want to constantly forecast the future based on what we've currently done. Actual costs being historic payments, accrued costs being payments we know we owe money for, that the work's been done for, we haven't formally received the invoice though, but we can say, well, that's gonna have to be paid at some point. So let's look at where the payment is on currently planned on our schedule. Uh, and committed costs will make any planned costs into legal costs. We have to pay them. So we want to use this as we go through the project. We want to constantly review this and constantly adjust our forecast because estimates change as our project changes. Projects always change. It's inevitable. Projects change. You need to adjust your forecasting based on that. And these four things here will help to create a forecast, a robust forecast for you. So this is kind of a... Uh, way to view it, I suppose, is that the actual costs are historic, accrued costs are historic goods received, but the payment is still in the future, and then committed costs and estimate to complete are future costs, with committed costs being those legally agreed future costs, so you have to pay them. Estimate to complete being purely planned, which means we could change them if we need to, to adjust our new plans. 
Um, so this is the cumulative bit I mentioned. So we want to show you this as cumulative because this will give us an idea of how much we spent overall at any given point in the project. Um, and the last payment, the final payment, will show us effectively the total overall spend on the project. And we like an S-curve um, because it's going to show those cumulative totals and it shows you kind of the rate of spend throughout a project. But it also allows us to compare actuals against very clearly. It's a very visual way to express the, the budget. Um, and it also allows you to monitor trends and project those trends out again visually against your graph. Uh, so you'll often, if you if you look for budgets, you'll often see some kind of S curve, and it will usually be an S curve. It's a very rare a project as a straight line. It's usually you spend a bit of money as the project kind of ramps into its main the main bulk of work. It will start spending more money as it draws to, draws to a close. You'll start finding the payments start petering out. So it's very common to see an S curve um, with budgets. But effectively, that's what budgeting is all about. It's about looking at the schedule, working out when we want to make payments against that schedule, which again will probably be fairly self-explanatory because you'll often be negotiating with contractors with that. And they'll say when they want paying, usually when tasks are done and things like that. But major milestones might indicate when you want to pay it, when people want to be paid, when cash gets released, etc. Uh, and then you use these four techniques there to monitor costs as they develop when they become actuals, when they become crude, when costs become committed, when you agree a legal cost with a contractor or whatever, you have to pay it. And then your plans as they develop is your estimate to complete. But that's budgeting. A very quick whiz through. But any questions on budgeting at all for me? Nothing's popped up in the chat, but you're welcome to put your hand up and uh, unmute if you'd like to. No? Cool, okay, I'll crack on then. So this is the bit I think a lot of people are probably here for, maybe, just a guess. Earned value management. Now, in a couple of things, because um, I imagine some of you are probably, I know someone even messaged me earlier on um, in one of the earlier, in the earlier uh, webinar. Um, this might be part of your journey, as it were, to go on to get the PMQ. Might be the start of your journey, you're just dipping in to see where things are going. Uh, PFQ, so the foundation, the fundamentals qualification, will not ask you to do earned value management. There'll be no mention of it at all in there, really. PMQ, they, they can do. Um, one thing I'll stress, though, is they will not ask you to do any maths in the PMQ exam. So in any of the APM's exams, there is no maths required. Um, so you don't need to bring, you're welcome to bring a calculator, people do, but you don't need one. In fact, I'd almost discourage people to bring a calculator from those exams because it gives them, people will be more inclined to use it to try it. And, and I know as a person who struggles with maths a little bit, uh, I would then try and I'd confuse myself trying to work out something that doesn't need to be worked out. So EVM, Earned Value Management, is not a mathematical question in the exam. The PMQ will ask you things like what the advantages of it Um what's the interpretation so how do you use the interpretation of the data so it will present you data which you'll then have to uh, show an understanding of how it works or what the data tells you so is the project behind schedule is it on schedule is it over budget under budget on budget it'll ask you to work that out and then say what you do about it but they will not ever ask you to calculate um earned value management so a colleague i used to work with uh, a friend of mine um gave me this really nice analogy 
which I use on PMQ. So, you know, apologies if you if you hear this again when you come on a PMQ with me, but it's a really good way to think about earned value management is thinking of it as a sat nav for your project. Um, so if you imagine, I mean, imagine most of you have used sat navs, whether, whether you have a car or not, you probably use Google Maps at some point to find something. So when you type a destination to Google Maps or Waze or into your sat nav on a car, um, it will give you an estimated time of arrival. It'll give you a route and an estimated time of arrival. So effectively, in a project, that's our S-curve. That's the plan we've just talked about in the budgeting side of things. Um, it's what's the route we're going on, what we plan to do, uh, and then what's the overall time scale or budget for this project. And then that's our estimated time of arrival if it's a sat-nav. Um, and you can do that if you... So if I'm intending to go to London on Sunday, let's say, um, then I will type into my sat-nav London... And it will tell me how long it's going to take. It could do that now and it'll tell me how long it's going to take to get there based on the current situation. But I have to keep in mind that is purely a plan. That's in advance. That's proactive. I've not set off yet. What my sat level will do, though, is when I set off, it will continue to track that. It will look at where I am currently on that journey. So, for example, if I'm on my journey to London and it's saying I'm going to get there in like, if I leave at one o'clock, I'll get there at three o'clock, let's say. Um, then it will monitor my progress. So if I'm racing ahead or the trains are early or whatever um it's going to say you're ahead you're further on your journey than i thought you'd be at this point in time if i know for example that i'm going to be half an hour early based on my sat nav that gives me a few options it gives me a few decisions i can make there i could either just let it happen and just turn up early which could be great uh but not necessarily it might be that if i turn up early i have to sit in a train station for half an hour rather than just going straight onto the next train um, which is, you know, perhaps I don't want to do that. But it shows me what the impact of turning up, what, the, what I might turn up early, um, and I can make decisions on that. So do I um, slow down my car, or do I just sort of chill out somewhere? Or do I perhaps, I mean, something I genuinely do when I go on longer journeys is I'll stop off, uh, if, I've got, if I've got spare time, I'll stop off like a services and have a Burger King or I'll have a, have a you know, sandwich or something. Just stop off and take a bit of a break from driving, um, which I won't do if I'm if there's not spare time. It might be that I identify an opportunity. Guys, actually, I'm arriving half an hour early. I could perhaps meet up with a friend of mine in London for half an hour. Or I could contact them and say, I'm going to be there half an hour earlier. I just want to meet up a bit earlier. If it is the reason I'm going to London is to meet somebody. So it's giving me some information. It's not telling me what to do with it. It's just saying, here's you're half an hour earlier than you thought you would be. And then it allows me to make some decisions based on that. What could I do with half an hour extra that I didn't think I'd have? But the flip side is also true in that if my sat nav is indicating to me that I'm going to be arriving an hour late, for example, so I was arrived at my intention was to arrive at three o'clock, my sat nav due to traffic or whatever is saying you're going to arrive at four o'clock instead of three, I can then make some other decisions. I could um, phone ahead and say I'm going to be an hour late and let my stakeholders know that I'm going to be arriving late and then discuss what we're going to do about it. It could be that if I'm arriving late, the whole purpose of me driving is rendered completely pointless because those people I'm meeting say, well, we can't, we're not free after after four o'clock. At four o'clock, we there's no point. So I could cancel the meeting, just go home. And in which case, then, you know, that saves me a load of money, saves them a load of time. So it could be a, a way to assess whether the project is still viable or not. It gives us da a data evidence for that. EVM will provide this again, we'll not going to go through all the data today, but gives us loads of data we can then use to provide to our stakeholders and say, look, the data points to the project being massively over budget and massively late. Is it worth continuing? And we can make that decision early or earlier. Uh, it could be that um, 
I decide to uh, something I genuinely do when I drive back from Nantwich, where we're based, actually. So when I, I live about four hours drive from Nantwich, um, just under four hours. Um, so when I drive back down to Somerset, um, I will always stop off at a services because I know based on my previous experiences with that journey, it's four hours with traffic. And my sat nav always accommodates that. I know if I stop off at services for half an hour or so, then by the time I finish in the services on the Friday evening, the traffic's usually died down. I'll still get back at the same time, but I've had a much more relaxed time. And that's evidence for lessons learned then. So EVM provides data, which means evidence for stakeholder communication, but also lessons learned for future projects or for future work. It allows me to assess the impact of um, risks as well, potentially. So it allows me to identify risks to my project, saying, well, what's caused this then? Why is my journey taking longer? Um, what's caused this? It could be that I actually identify a way to overcome this by perhaps driving down the hard shoulder. If I drive down the hard shoulder and bypass all the traffic that's causing the delay, then I'm adding new risk, which I need to quantify and assess and decide whether it's actually worth taking that new risk or whether it's worth risking being late to the, to the meeting I'm going to. So it allows us to compare and identify risks. It allows me to identify alternatives. So for example, if I'm stuck in traffic, I can pop into my sat and have an alternative route. It'll show me an alternative way of doing something, show me the impact of doing that as well. So for example, if I stay on the M5, the motorway, I will arrive at four o'clock based on current progress. But, uh, and if I type into an, an alternative route in my sat nav, it says you'll arrive at 3.45. I can then make the, the decision and think, well, I was supposed to arrive at three o'clock, but 3.45 is better than four o'clock. Again, there's a risk in that and that those roads might be um, more uh, so lanes for example could be lanes so it allows me to assess and understand the alternative routes I could take or alternative solutions to my to the situation we're in so earned value management is not a tool that fixes stuff it doesn't make stuff go away it's a way of identifying and providing data raw data that you can then use to provide evidence for decision making so advantages of it then Evidence, data, decision making, identifying risks, identifying alternatives, giving an, it allows more effective communication with stakeholders, allows you to identify opportunities. I, I, I used to work with EVM. I used to have to use it on my projects in defense, and I actually find it incredibly useful because a key thing I found, and this is a personal thing now, is it helps to highlight poor estimating. So because it's using data based on current situation, it may not be that our project is going wrong. It may be that our initial estimates need to be challenged. Because again, so many times, I imagine some of you might be able to relate to this, projects get signed off using optimistic estimates to get them through the door. This provides evidence to say, actually, maybe it's the original estimate that was a problem. And the project is actually running fine. So it's 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 that data that's this is providing. Again, a very useful tool can be but it needs to be planned for. You can't just halfway through a project deployment. So let's use EVM for the last half. It won't work like that. You need to plan it into your project and build it, build it in early on for it to work properly. <clears throat> so this is a table sort of showing this to an extent. So we've got a project with a planned uh, budget completion. So there is some acronyms in earn value management. Um, I will just say that most of them, if you're ever doing this exam, PMQ, uh, they will usually write nearly all of them out in full. So they will very rarely expect you to know an acronym off, off by heart. There's one or two you will need to know, um, but they're not displayed on this page. All the ones on this page, as far as I'm aware, 
And certainly in my, when I've looked at questions in the past, they've all been written out in full. So budget of completion is the total planned budget by the end of this project. So the project's total duration is three months. Budget of completion is 1,500 quid. The planned cost is, or the planned budget or planned value, depends who you speak to what they get called. All interchangeable terms though, planned cost is the more typical, I would say. Though I have seen it called planned budget in the exam, incidentally. This is how much we plan to spend. So this is the bit from earlier on where you have that cumulative S-curve based on our what we think we want to do, and then we add detail to it as we get, get started with committed costs and stuff like that. But initially, it will be a planned cost. What did we plan to do? So at month one, we plan to spend £500. At the end of month two, we plan to spend 1000 And then at month three, another, th uh, sorry, another, th another 1500 sorry, another £500 to be that full 1500 quid uh, budget completion. The actual cost then shows how much we've actually spent on the project. So in this instance, the green dotted line is showing me that I've actually spent £700. So if you ignore the blue dotted line for a second, the actual cost is below the planned cost. So I plan to spend £1,000 at month two. I've actually spent £700. Now, if we ignore the earned value bit for a moment, that might appear, uh, well, could actually indicate a couple of different things. To some, When I show these graphs to people or versions of these graphs, some people say that's under budget. Some people say that's behind. Some people say there's going to be a large payment at the end. The problem with it is without the earned value bit, that just doesn't really tell us a lot. It just simply says we've not spent what we expected to spend, which means it's not going to plan. It looks like it's underspending, but that's not necessarily the case. The earned value bit then. Now, this is the bit that I want to be careful with. Let me know. So pop in the chat if you're still a bit iffy with this, because it can be a little tricky. Earned value is how much I planned to get as, a, as a, expressed as money. So I've done a video on this and I'm going to use exactly this because it's down here actually. So if you go hunting on YouTube, there is, a, I've done a YouTube video on this. I do play guitar. So here's one of my guitars. This is my favorite guitar, this one. There's a guitar. I bought this for 1,500 pounds and I've had it for about 20 years. So it's 1,500 quid guitar that. <clears throat> so if I bought a guitar for 1,500 pounds, that's what it's worth to me. That's the value of it. I, there's a lot of sentimental value in that guitar in particular, but I'm not, I'm not measuring that in earned value management. I'm measuring progress of the project. It's looking at how long is it taking, how long is this project going to take to complete against what I planned it to, to what I planned it to take? How much more money is it going to cost versus what I planned it to cost? So earned value management is only interested in time and money. It's not interested in sentimental stuff, it's not interested in uh, benefits afterwards. It's purely saying, in terms of money and time, how is the project doing? That's it. So in terms of money, I bought the guitar for 1,500 quid. Therefore, it's worth 1,500 quid to me in money. If I, when I bought it, if I saw the same guitar advertised for 2,000 pounds the following week, the value of the guitar to me would be 1,500 quid because that's what I paid for it. It doesn't matter that it's being sold for more money somewhere else. I bought it for 1,500 quid. Therefore, that's what it's worth to me. And this extends to this term planned as well. If I'm planning to spend £1,500 on something, so let's say, for example, this is a patio, this one on the slides, I'm planning to spend 1500 quid on a patio. I haven't bought it yet. I haven't spent the money yet. I'm purely planning to spend that money based on you know my, how much I figure that's going to cost from my scoping and everything. I think I'm going to spend 1500 quid on this patio. So when I finish this patio in three months' time, I expect to get 1500 quid's worth of patio. So I am planning to receive £1,500 worth of patio as a value. 
at month two, I'm planning to spend £1,000 on this patio. Therefore, because I'm planning to spend £1,000 on it, I expect to have gotten, by month two, £1,000 worth of patio. I've actually spent £700 on this £1,000 at this, this point in time. I expected to spend £1,000 and get £1,000 worth of patio. I've spent £700, actually. However, the earned value... I've got again where you've got this from, not talking about today. This will be down to speaking to stakeholders, contractors, asking for progress at reports and stuff like that. But my contractors have told me they've done 500 pounds worth of my wall. So I've received 500 pounds worth of wall at month two. I should have received 1,000 pounds worth of wall at month two. So I should have more wall than I've got. So I've earned, earned values, how much of my product have I received expressed as a monetary number? So in this instance, I've received 500 pounds worth of wool. I should have, based on my plan cost, 1,000 pounds worth of wool at month two, which means I'm behind schedule. I'm not getting wool as quickly as I should be, which is telling me that if this continues, then I'm not going to get a finished wall by month three. It's going to take longer. It's going to take a lot longer, actually. But I can also use my own value to say, how much wool have I got? How much of wall have I earned? 500 pounds worth of wall. And how much have I spent for it? So I've got 500 pounds worth of wall, but I've actually spent 700 pounds. So I've spent 700 pounds to get 500 pounds of wall. So I've overspent. So this again, where the earned value comes from, it depends entirely on the business you're working within, the contractors you're working within. It usually is expressed as percentages, so it could be expressed as a percentage complete, which you then need to convert into a monetary number. Number, But either way, there'll be some way of tracking what the earned value is as money. Lots of different ways of doing it. But again, not that's not for today. But this is telling me, this graph is telling me that I've earned £500 worth of wall, should have got £1,000 at this point in time, therefore I'm behind schedule. And in order to get that £500 worth of wall, I've spent £700. So I'm overspending. So this project is not going very well at all. So earned value will use graphs or can use graphs to, to do its calculations. And that's just, it is simply put, comparing where the lines are. If all the lines all lined up, so the actual cost and the earned value all lined up with that plan cost line, everything would be absolutely splendid. Everything would be going exactly as expected. But because those lines are split apart, it's telling me that something's not going to plan. Even if something's going better than expected, it's still not going to plan. So we need to investigate what's happened and why. So we can either take advantage of it or resolve it or whatever. But everything should be on that line if it's going as expected, and it's not in this instance. So, for example, here then, here's some graphs. Just as an aside, they won't use graphs in the exam. I want to be careful of going too far into the data minefield that this can end up being. So but for now, sticking with graphs, so I doubt they'll use graphs in the, in the exam if you are looking at doing PMQ. But in reality, if you're using EVM, you will see graphs with it because it's usually how we express progress to stakeholders. So in Project A's incident instance, for example, so you've got uh, £10,000 budget completion, 10-day 10, 10 project, or 10, 10-day 10 project, say days, it says on there. So the planned budget is uh, the red line. The green line is the actual. The earned value is the blue line. So project A is telling me everything's going better than expected because I've if I compare the blue line with the red line, so that's my earned value against my planned, I'm getting more value than I expected to get at this point in time. If I compare my blue line with my green line, which is my actual cost, so um, the earned I've earned more value and spent less money on it. So this project is ahead of schedule 
and underspending, project A. Project B, on the other hand, then, the earned value is above both the red and blue green line again. So if the earned value is above the planned cost line or the budget line and the actual cost line, it's telling me things are going really well. They're going better than expected. So again, it's not going to plan, though. So I need to investigate what's caused it, see if I can take advantage of it, see if it maybe I can release the resources to another project. Maybe I can add some additional scope in. Maybe I can um, do things a bit quicker or whatever and cancel the project earlier, finish the project earlier, whatever. It's showing me, as based on where we currently are, so that is month six, I suppose, or day six, things are going better than expected. Whilst with project C, the earned value line is below both the actual cost line and the budget red budget line. So this is telling me that things are being are overspending quite significantly in this instance in project C, and we're behind schedule. So graphs are a really good way to show stakeholders how you're performing um, using that earned value line. No, so it's, not, it's, it's underspending because the earned value is above the actual cost line. So with if the earned value is above the actual cost, it means we're earning value quicker than we're spending money on it. So for example, I'll go with the exact numbers. So the earned value is £8,000. Um, the planned cost is £7,000. So I've spent £7,000, but I've got £8,000 worth of product, effectively. So I'm underspending. So careful with the way to think of it is the if the earned value line is above any of the lines, it's doing better than expected in some way. If it's below either of the, the other lines, it's going worse than expected. That's a simple way to express it. The, the, the budget, the cost side of things always gets a bit confusing with the numbers and everything. Oops. So there are some calculations in this. Again, I'm not going to go through these. These are kind of some of the terms you might come across. Um, the two acronyms you're likely to encounter are CPI and SPI. If you're doing the PMQ exam, cost performance index and schedule performance index. The calculations are in this slide. You do not need to know the calculations at all. Um, the performance indices um, are effectively expressing progress as a decimal. Um, the variances are expressing progress, are just indicating quickly if we're ahead of schedule under underspending or whatever. Um, I don't think they'll use variances in the exam if you're going to do the exam. I think they will very likely use performance indices, though, as the data. Um, so let me just switch back to this slide a second. There's a couple of a couple of things to remember with this. Now, just sticking with, I'm not going to go through variances. Like that's kind of, I don't think there's any value in it. Um, but the performance indices, there's a couple, there's a quick win. So if you are looking at doing PMQ and you come across an interpret question, which is look at some data, what does it tell you? Um, in fact, actually, I'll do one better. I will show you a sample question. So this is very much with the exam in mind now, this one. Let me just uh, dig it up. So this would be an example of an interpret question here. So zoom is in the way, bear with me. 
So it will present it as a table typically in the PMQ. Um, so for this instance, if we look at the earned value here, the earned value is 50,000 pounds. That's telling us we've earned 50,000 pounds worth of whatever it is we're producing. At the top here, we have the total overall budget of 120,000 pounds and the duration is 10 months. At this point in time, we're at month five and we've earned 50,000 pounds worth of product. But if you look at the actual cost, we've spent 40,000 pounds. So we've earned 50,000 pounds worth of stuff, but we've spent 40,000 pounds. We're not spending as much as we thought we would and we've got more stuff. So we spent 40, we've earned 50,000 pounds worth of stuff. But if you look at the planned budget here, we were expecting to have spent 60,000 pounds at this point in time. However, we've only earned 50,000 pounds at this point in time. So we're actually behind schedule. Now, the bit I wanted to talk you and direct you towards, and this is very much with PMQ in mind now, is this bit down here. CPI and SPI. Ignoring everything else, just these two. If you see a one next to CPI or SPI, it's telling you everything's perfect. If you see the number one, it's saying we're exactly where we expect it to be. That tells us we're on plan. That would be with the graph where all the lines match up. They all line up against each other. That'd be one. If the number is below one, so it's naught point something. So for example, in this instance, the SPI, so scheduled performance index is 0.83. That's telling me it's not going very well. So if the number's below one, it's bad news. So 0.83 means I'm behind schedule. If the number is greater than one though, such as the CPI here, so which is 1.25, so the cost performance index is 1.25, this is telling me that I am underspending. I am doing better than expected. So the thing to remember with this is one is perfect. I'll say why one is perfect in a, se perfect in a second. One is perfect. It's going exactly as I expected it to be. Any number below one, so naught point something, is showing me bad news. It's not going very well. We're either overspending or behind schedule. If the number is a greater than one, then we are doing better than expected. We are overperforming. We are spending less money than we expected to be spending, or we're ahead of schedule. As a project manager, I would prefer it was one, because that shows me that everything is going precisely how I expected it to be. Everything's going to plan. My predictions were correct. My estimates were correct. My budgeting has been correct, um, the, which means that anything I predicted forward is probably good. It's probably correct because it's based on the same estimates. So it's going to verify that my plan is effective and it's going as expected, which I want. If it's better than expected, that's brilliant. We can take advantage of it, but it still means something in my plan wasn't quite right. So I need to reassess my plan potentially. And obviously, if it's below one, then that's bad news. We're overspending or behind schedule. We need to try and manage that and adjust things. Um, but that's a very typical example of a question in the exam, by the way. So interpret the data and then what would you do about it? I'm not going to talk about what you do with this. That's for the course itself. But... That's what you're looking for. And if you can get your mind around with an interpret question, if you're ever looking at, EV, and this is not even just the exam, if you're looking at any EVM data presented to you by contractors or in your, in your, in your project uh, monitoring systems, whatever, if you see one, it's perfect. Everything's going as expected. If it's below one, bad news. If it's above one, better than expected. Could be good news, doesn't have to be though. Could be bad news too, but better is ahead of schedule or underspending if it's 
greater than one. So you can look out for stuff like that. And the, the CPI and the SPI is generally how projects, certainly most systems we use to monitor EVM, that's what we will be looking for is the CPI and SPI. Because we can use those numbers, these 1.25 and 0.83 in this instance, um, to then uh, compare how we're performing against the original plan. And the last kind of key thing with the EVM, if I just flip back to the slides for a second, is a key advantage of it is we can use it to make predictions throughout the project. And it can give us estimate, uh, estimates at completion is EAC, estimates at completion, all right? Don't get too hung up on acronyms with EVM, by the way, okay? Just mostly for an example point of view there, but estimate completion. Um, so EVM, Earned Value Management, is very, very good at forecasting because it's using really effectively quite simple data to make and extrapolate predictions. You've got to be careful, though, because if you're using the CPI and the SPI, it's taking a snapshot of where you currently are, which will assume a straight line. So you do want to use it in line with previous EVM data to show, again, like you'd use on a graph, uh, do a graph um, for is to show trends and see where things are going. But it's a great way to provide data and evidence for decision making, for creating graphs, for extrapolating and forecasting. And if someone says, where have you got that from? You can go back. And ultimately, it allows your, your decisions to be better, more effective. It allows your stakeholders to make more effective decisions. Because if you say, for example, we're behind schedule and overspending, do we continue the project? Or perhaps if the budget's more important, then perhaps we can take a bit longer and spend less money then. Or we could perhaps... Uh, if the deadline is important, we can throw money at it, get done quickly. Or if the quality is less important than the time of the budget, let's cut some corners. Or if the scope is the if scope is the problem, then let's cut some stuff out of scope to save some money and time. So we were building a patio that was going to be this big. Let's cut the cost. Let's cut this. Keep the cost and time on control and make the patio a bit smaller, and save some money on buying some slabs or some labour or whatever. So it's about allowing you to make decisions and providing graphs, data evidence predictions that have something behind them it's not just a i don't know it's going to take 20 days longer it's it's going to take 20 days longer based on this estimating this earned value data we've we've gathered it gets it's great for reporting it show it helps to show progress very clearly to stakeholders you often find with the real tool there'll be like dashboards and stuff you can use with it to to have different levels of data so a senior stakeholder might only care about what does it, where, where have you got this from very quickly? And you can just say, and it just has a graph in the dashboard. Sometimes for me as a project manager, I want a bit more than that. So my dashboard will be a bit more intricate with all the SPIs and the, and everything in it. So it's great for communication as well. I'm an advocate for earned value management. I think it's very helpful. I've seen the benefit of own projects. And again, I've seen it verified that estimates were very poor. We, we used it to challenge some estimates in business cases a, long, a few years ago. I won't say how long ago. Um, <clears throat> but it allowed me to go back with a with a group of people and say, all these business cases, these are all wrong. All the budgets in them are completely fudged and made up. Um, they deliberately used a very horrendously optimistic estimates to try and get the business cases signed off. And it meant that the projects that were as they were running, would, would they all looked like they were really behind schedule. And actually they weren't, they were actually pretty good. But because someone had taken over optimistic estimates, it took using some data in earned value management to challenge those estimates. But you've got to have the data because if you just go back and say the estimate was rubbish, then they're going to go, how do you know that? EVM provides that or can do. There is obviously a lot more to it. There's whole qualifications you can get in earned value management. Um, I should know because I've done one. And it, it, it is thrilling. 
Um, but are there any questions on uh, value management at all or budgeting in general from anybody? We've got a few minutes left, so. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we'll get the recording sent out to everybody. Um, these are recorded, so yeah, you can have access to those. No trouble. Any other sort of questions or anything for me around um, value management? Yeah. Good to hear. I mean, uh, that's kind of what we wanted to do with these webinars. Um, there, as I said, there's more to them, but just to stress it, when you read through materials um, on earned value management in particular, I tend to find that it, certainly in things like study guides and pre-reading and everything, um, it can often look quite intimidating. Um, but really just stressing, if you're looking to go PMQ, and that's the, the reason you're doing these, these, these webinars, um, thank you very much. Um, is you don't need to know the maths. It's what what it so what it is, and we will clarify that a bit more on the courses you do with us. Um, but ultimately, why we use it. So why do we why do we do it, and how do you interpret the data? So what's the data? How do you interpret it? And if you can get your head around that CPI and SPI, one is good, less than one is bad, greater than one is better than expected. That will get you a good chunk of the way for an interpret question as well in the exam if you ever go for it. Okay. Cool. Okay, well, I mean, if there's no questions then. Um, then I'll hand back over to Jim for the last bit of the uh, webinar. Brilliant. Thank you, Cal. Thank you for your expertise over the last hour. Thank you, everyone, for your attendance uh, this afternoon. I think we can all agree it was a very good session. Lots of information around doing value management in particular. Um, if you have any questions that you haven't asked or haven't been answered, please get in touch with us after the webinar and we'll try and get around to answering those for you. Um, should any of you be looking for the next step in your training journey or you know someone that may benefit from a training course with ourselves we have a fantastic offer at the moment so by any online virtual classroom or blended course with ourselves and receive a second foundation online course for free the offer includes the APM project fundamentals qualification and also the APM project management qualification. So the PFQ and the PMQ are involved in that offer. Uh, so it's due to expire on the 31st of January tomorrow. Uh, but for you guys, for the attendees of this webinar, we're actually able to extend that offer until next Friday. So until the 9th of February. Um, if you want any more information or anything else that you, that you need any help with, my contact details are at the bottom. So, yeah, like I say, Jim Wally, 01270-626-330. And my email address is jim at trainingbitesize.com. So, once again, all, thank you for your attendance. Uh, there's a lot of effort put into this webinar and to the, to the webinars that are being run today. So, hopefully, you all found that particular webinar beneficial. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much and have a great day. Thank you very much, everybody. So, that's it for this episode of Bite Size Project Management. We hope you'll tune in again soon for another edition. Until then, you can find out more about the certifications and training packages we offer on our website, trainingbitesize.com. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again soon.